When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So today I want to take some time to talk about the precious metals markets and and more specifically the silver market. And and to be more specific than that, something I would consider to be the real silver market, i.e. the physical silver market, not paper markets, not the COMEX, not SLV, but real physical silver. And, And what I think in the coming years, even the coming months, will be something that will amount to a sort of a perfect storm for silver. And of course, when I use that term, I'm talking about a confluence events that will influence it positively, the price to the move moving to the upside, the real price, not, you know, to the downside. Uh, Actually, you know, with all this um, COVID-19 situation and, and and this massive recession that the, the world is in right now, there's, I think, some some myths that have popped up about silver. Uh, that that would maybe lead some people that aren't familiar with the market to to believe that it's going to perform poorly. Namely, the prospect of deflation. Of course, we know precious metals are an inflation hedge. There's prospect of deflation as well as uh, this idea that industrial demand is going to decline, which it likely will um, because of a decreased demand for TVs and phones and cars and and new buildings, etc. And a recession. Both of those things are true. However, it doesn't necessarily mean that silver is going to perform poorly in the coming months and the coming years. Now, quick recap. Anybody that's been watching the silver and gold markets over the past few months knows that heading into 2020, both markets looked overwhelmingly positive. As had been the case for a while, silver was still lagging gold. Um, but both metals heading into 2020 with you know some good momentum. And then the coronavirus hit and, and gold um, hung on to a lot of gains. It, you know, it had moments where it, it dropped pretty significantly. But currently, it's sitting around $1,700 an ounce, which is really good, right? Silver, on the other hand, has moved to the downside. And of course, because of that, we've seen the gold to silver ratio move north of 110. I, I don't know exactly what it is right now. But with silver at $15 an ounce, you know, gold at, at 1700 somebody can do the math on that, right? Uh really underperformance for silver thus far in 2020. Now, why is that the case? Well, I think there's a variety of reasons. Part of it is is this maybe this real superficial notion that industrial demand is going to be down. Part of it is maybe deflation. Part of it is that the silver market is much more sensitive to um, market momentum because it's such a smaller market compared to the gold market. And therefore, when people are selling certain positions and metals for, for margin call reasons, as has been the case, you know, during the market crash back in, in March and, and in, you know, to some extent in April, yeah, I'm sure that is playing into it as well. However, let's put that aside and, and talk about two extremely bullish factors in the silver market that are developing as we speak. And, and I want to start off on the supply side. You know, if you listen to Silver Fortune in the past, which I'm, I'm sure many of you guys have, you, you would remember that there was this there's this idea that heading into a recession, there's you know 
the the industrial demand for silver was going to decline and therefore you know silver would struggle in a recession however a point that i and many others brought up time and time again was that hey you have to understand that that the vast majority of silver is not produced from what you'd call primary silver mines where silver is the primary um money making metal at that mine no actually um upwards of 70 i don't know the exact percentage anymore but but a good chunk of um, silver production actually comes from what you call secondary mines it's a secondary product at these mines mines that primarily mine for the most part four different metals uh, copper zinc lead and gold now those first three are going to be hugely impacted by a recession because hey guess what i mean we're talking industrial demand here collapsing for silver it's industrial demand only makes up you know 50 to 60 percent of total demand for silver I'm, I'm probably fudging these numbers a little bit i'm not i don't have them right in front of me but but for for lead for copper for zinc that's pretty much like the entire thing with the exception of you know coins um that are minted i mean otherwise it's all industrial so their demand was going to collapse and thus uh, supply would would drop off to match that just like what we're seeing in the oil market right now and therefore as a as a side effect of that um the the price of silver was going to drop right this are you following or, or sorry the supply of silver coming onto the market from these mines was going to drop and and that could potentially match you know offset the drop in industrial demand but then of course on the other side we have this whole investment demand picture which i'll get to later now now that's that's just a quick recap of what i and so many others predicted however what i could never imagine was that there would be some series of events that on a global scale would totally eat away at silver supply because mines just wouldn't be operating period primary silver mines mines that mine silver as a secondary metal i mean I wasn't expecting a pandemic like this whatsoever. I don't think most people were. Um, it was a black swan for most people. And so the situation that you have is that a lot of countries have you know, put a halt on what they call non-essential services, including mines. And, and some of these countries include Peru and Mexico. In fact, there's an article over on um, srsrockreport.com, of course, uh, run by uh, Steve Sanangelo, who I've had on here in the past. And and uh, this was an article, actually, he ran across from um, kitco.com by Anna Golubova, titled, COVID-19 Mining Shutdowns Hurt Silver Production the Most, Gold the Least. This is a report. And so basically, what it shows is that, you know, as a percentage of the total amount of, of annual production... Gold, you know, shutdowns have have led to a a 9% decline in production over this period of time. That's not going to be a 9% over the entire year, but 9% over these past weeks or months. 9% for gold, 12 for lead, 13 for copper, 15 for nickel, 19% for platinum, 24% for zinc, 32% for uranium, 66% for silver. Actually, 65.8%. Meaning that over half of all the silver production that's going on right now has been put on hold. Now, a lot of these... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Our primary minds that she's referring to here, that this article is referring to, um, you know, of course, part of that is that uh, some of these other mines, zinc, copper, lead, gold, those shutdowns are going to also lead to a decline in silver production because of the fact that silver so often produces a byproduct there. In fact, actually, I didn't even finish reading this article here, but but um, he uh, Steve San Angelo has a great graph there showing exactly how much. So 29%, that's about right on the number, 29% comes as a pri- from primary silver mines, silver supply coming onto the market or the mining supply. Um, 16% from gold, 23% from copper, and 32% from zinc and lead mines, right? So what that means is, is you have over half of that 29% of the supply just not coming onto the market, period. Those mines are shut down, right? But then you also have the shutdowns as a result of 13% of copper production being shut down, 12% of lead, and 24% of zinc, and 9% of gold production. Are you guys following me here? I mean, I know these are a lot of numbers, but the, the big takeaway here is that uh, primary silver mines are shut down to it to a greater extent than any other you know major metal, but these other mines that also mine silver has secondary metal. They're also experiencing significant shutdowns as well. So what's interesting about this is that I don't think Steve and I and others that have said that you know in a recession this this mining supply will decline. I don't think we were wrong, or at least a secondary mining supply. We, we weren't wrong. That's going to happen eventually. A couple, you know, I don't know the timeline, but let's say a couple months from now, all these countries for the most part have opened back up, or they've allowed mining to resume. Gold, silver, copper, zinc, lead mines are all back online. Well, okay, so so the situation you have there is that for a couple months. There's a huge drop-off in production. However, guess what? A couple months from now, we're still in a massive recession, which, yes, means decreased, decreased industrial demand for silver. But it also means a huge decline in the amount of silver supply coming onto the market. Between this shutdown and the recession that will is going on right now and will continue to follow it for, I think, many, many years, uh, the, the amount of silver mining supply coming onto the market is going to decline significantly. And, and to put this in further in perspective, actually something I haven't talked about much, but, but recently the 2020 World Silver Survey was released. And of course, this is a, a, uh, a well, it contains a wealth of information as a whole bunch of, of data here regarding the physical supply and demand market for silver. And, and in 2019, unsurprisingly, the mining supply coming onto the market for silver declined further. Right? For perspective, it peaked back in 2015 at 892.9 million ounces. In 2019, it had already declined to 836.5 million ounces. Right? Over 50 million ounces. Of course... In 2020, it's going to certainly decline more by another 50 million, 100 million. In fact, that was kind of the figures I, I used recently when I was <laughs> I was replying to a tweet by by two people that I respect a lot in the precious metal space, and that's um, James Anderson over from Silver Doctors and SD Bullion, um, as well as I don't know if he works primarily at one or the other, but but James Anderson had him on the podcast, and you know years ago, but I've had him on, as well as uh, Steve St. Angelo. 
Uh, and, and so basically, you know, James Anderson was talking, he, he shared an article, uh, global silver demand edged higher in 2019, investment demand up 12%, talking about this huge move up in, in, uh, demand, investment demand for silver. And, and, and Steve replied, James, I no longer believe the typical demand fundamentals for the silver market matter anymore. I see investment demand as a leading driver for the silver price in the future. Industrial demand will become less important. And so I replied, you know, ultimately to that, um, a 50 to 100 million ounce drop in new supply for 2020 due to mine closures and other disruptions will look pretty inconsequential relative to what investment demand will look like in coming years. Because remember, I said a confluence of events, not just a recession, not just a pandemic. 50 to million ounce, 50 to 100 million ounce drop in supply coming onto the market is pretty significant. With that being said, there will be probably a decent amount of drop in in uh, industrial demand for silver because of the recession, because of the slowdown. With that being said, it's going to look un- inconsequential because of the other side of this this perfect storm, the investment demand part. Huge amounts of investment demand for silver are on their way. Right now, physical silver in, in large quantities is is somewhat challenging for a lot of, of retail buyers like you and I to, to get your hands on. You can. I, 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 should, I shouldn't put it that way. You can get your hands on it. It's very difficult to get your hands on it at a decent price relative to spot. Again, spot being $15 an ounce. You know, recently I saw one major dealer uh, sent out an email and, and they had a uh, a deal on kangaroos, Australian one-ounce kangaroo coins, which, you know, six months ago, I would have said is a relatively low premium government minted coin. You know, two, two and a half dollars over spot, maybe three, you know, maybe not as cheap as like an Armenian Noah's Ark, you know. But, but sometimes you could get them for pretty cheap. Maybe not as cheap as that or like an Austrian Philharmonic, but, but relatively cheap. $5 over spot, I think was the number, right? And so I didn't even check, you know, generic. I haven't even checked generic in a while. But but I know uh, American Silver Eagles have been seeing, you know, $10 over spot, $8 over spot, right? And, and, and some of that you could argue is going to be a short-term thing because of this backlog of demand, and the limited supply because mints, a lot of mints have been closed, a lot of mines have been closed, refiners, etc. You could make that argument. But the backlog for demand, I think, is only going to increase, especially when uh, two kind of um, exogenous factors start to impact the market. Um, first of all, you, you have, I should say, one's exogenous, one's going to be inflation. And, and one's inflation, um, fear of the Fed and, and other central banks increasing their balance sheet to a greater and greater extent in a parabolic manner, which they already have been doing, um, as well as as fear or at least an awareness of a parabolic trajectory for for global debt, national debt, um, but also corporate consumer debt on on a global scale. I mean, we can focus on the U.S., but but really on a global scale an increased awareness of that. Um, However, there's also going to be, I think, more specific to the precious metals markets, the sudden realization that, wait a second, let's say premiums get back to a more reasonable uh, level, Uh, you know, a dollar, two dollars, two and a half bucks over spot for silver bullion, um, which should be closer to normal. 
and and for gold to, for that to come back to normal. And and we see the physical market, the physical retail market, get closer to the what the paper markets would suggest the ratio is right now, which is like you know north of 110 to one. 110 ounces of silver to equal the price of one ounce of gold, which it is not right now. I mean, the premiums are so much higher for silver, which which makes the you know the real gold to silver ratio actually much lower than 110. But once it you know the the real silver to gold ratio moves up 90, 100 to one, maybe 110 to one, I think you're going to see a lot of retail buyers realize that. That crazy high gold to silver ratio is pretty much unprecedented in modern times, and it's going to come back down. And that's going to coincide with a massive bull run that we've only seen the first leg of for gold. Right? I mean, one of the one of the things with the gold market for the past few years, uh, past 10, 20 years, honestly, is that it has this this um this dual source of physical demand from governments and from institutional investors. Um, to some extent, institutional, I should say institutional and big money investors apart from those just trading the paper metals, right? So you have Russia, you have China, many other countries just you know, soaking up physical gold. I mean, Russia basically nationalizing their entire gold production within their borders. I, Again, I don't know the exact numbers on, but but a ton of what gold is mined in, in Russia, they've just kept within their borders, added to their national you know reserves, basically. China, you know, imported a ton of gold plus their own domestic production, huge huge hoard of gold, and and that type of demand from those two countries plus others has has helped the physical helped the price of gold significantly stay elevated, and then you also of course have big money investors, institutions, etc that have been stocking away physical gold in their vaults or having it vaulted or whatever for, for many years now. Silver has not had that benefit. Silver is not really owned in large quantities by any global government, to our knowledge, uh, nor is it a huge, trendy investment to, to have vaulted by big money investors, by institutions, etc. You know, with the exception of if you're going to say, you know, J.P. Morgan has a huge hoard of silver or something along those lines, um, but but as a whole, those exceptions are relatively rare. So that's going to change. I don't know about the government side of things. I I know Russia likely has a decent amount of physical silver. We, we have some pictures to suggest that. We, we don't know how much. It, it's probably kind of inconsequential in the whole scheme of things. But on the institutional side of things, as well as the big money investors, the um, momentum chasers... Um, and, and those people that suddenly wake up and realize that the Fed is on and has been on this this path that they cannot get off of for, for a long time now, um, once they realize that, there's going to be a huge move into physical silver. And, and I'm not even talking on, this tr- on the scale of something relative to the gold market. Maybe. I don't know. Gold market is huge, though, relative to the silver market, especially at current prices. But it doesn't have to be a huge trillion dollar move into silver. It doesn't have to be 500 billion, even 100 billion. I mean, again, remember, we're we're talking about the amount of supply coming onto the market in 2020 being, I don't know, less than $15 billion of silver. 13, 12, you know, given the current production and the current price. And and when you put things in that perspective and, and you set aside about half of that for industrial demand, 
and then you set aside, let's say, a quarter, maybe two-fifths of it, so 25 to 40% of it aside for other investors that are going to buy that physical silver pretty much regardless. I'm talking about silver bug stackers here in the States, Canada, you know, the Western world, as well as those that buy large amounts of physical silver in places like India, Southeast Asia, etc. right? You have very small margins. You have tens of millions of ounces left, you know, for everyone else. And, and, and contrast that with potentially billions of dollars moving into the market. You can understand how this can turn into a perfect storm scenario um, pretty quickly. Now, what I mean, what is the timing on this going to be like? That's a little bit more of a difficult question. I mean, this whole idea of deflation, yeah, it could rule the day for another couple months. I I don't know. But but I for one, I've I've heard the arguments about long term deflation because you know the Fed printing endless amounts of money and keeping interest rates low and whatnot are going to be deflationary, et cetera. I've, I've heard that. I'm not sold on that idea. I'm not sold on that we have to get all the way to full-blown MMT, direct monetization of debt, Federal Reserve spending money type of situation um, before we, we get into high inflation. No, I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think um, there's, there's a huge amount of potential deflation that we're going to be experiencing for a while now because of this uh, recession, because of this slowdown. Um, But that's going to be temporary, right? That's going to be temporary. Um, The Fed is going to do everything they can, along with other central banks. I mean, this is, I'm talking U.S. dollar terms here, but by the way, you know, James uh, Anderson, who I was talking about there a second ago, a couple minutes ago about, you know, tweeting and and whatnot, he he actually tweeted the price of, of gold, in particular, in Australian dollars. You know, the high back in 20, you know, 2011 for for gold in, in Australia was around 1,800 Australian dollars. It actually topped that later on around 2016, probably around the Brexit period, a little north of $1,800 an ounce. Um, currently, uh, the, the price of gold in Australia is sitting north of $2,600 an ounce, or at least according to this chart. Huge move to the upside, right? And so, I mean, other central banks and their policies, other currencies and their inflation matters to this picture as well. Um, but ultimately, it's going to be the U.S. dollar that we're really keeping an eye on for its ultimate demise um, and, and and that uh, that coming in inflation. I, I just haven't been convinced by this argument that endless money printing, endless racking up of more and more debts um, somehow means we're just going to deal with more and more deflation a la Japan. Um, I just don't see that coming for the world reserve currency for really unprecedented monetary policy by one of the, well, you know, the largest currency, the largest um, economic system in the history of the world. I just don't see that happening. But we'll see. But when that inflation comes, you're going to see a lot of momentum buying, a lot of people moving into the precious metals markets, in particular silver, because of its relative cheapness compared to gold. So the perfect storm for silver. I'd love to hear your thoughts and stuff in the comment section. Again, this is playing out entirely different than I ever expected it to because of this pandemic. But I think the results are going to be pretty similar, regardless if it was a pandemic or just a run-of-the-mill, you know, deep recession slash depression. Uh, and and central banks and their their kind of predictable response to that. As always, though, I'd like to thank every one of you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into today's podcast. And God bless.